AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. McCarthy doubles out of the pocket and launches. End zone, Wilson! That had a vapor trail on it! Aller, end zone, and Cephas! He has been Mr. Tightrope today. Second down three, they can get a first down at the two, but time is an issue. Here comes the rush by Gaziano, and there goes the quarterback in for six. Kyler Murray, a five-yard touchdown run, and the Cardinals are back on top. Let's see if it's James Conner time. The ninth play of the drive is a Conner touchdown. A dip, they get out there into the end zone. Linebackers can't flow over the top. Conner makes a nice cut. Grant takes the handoff, took a peek inside, finds Beal from the corner, and splashed down. Three-point knockdown for Bradley Beal. His first here in the regular season. It's an 11-0 Phoenix run. Keep you from having the big plays. Second eight, fake to Sanders. They come through. It's intercepted again. And again, it's picked off by Moore. A foot race. It'll be his second pick six. His second pick six today. 64-yard return. He's, he's going to start buying his sisters to every game. <laughs> Bajan has only been sacked once and hit twice. Looking at third down and nine. Bajan steps up over the middle. Intercepted again. And it's Adebo again. His second of the day. And the third pick by Tyson Bajant. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, September 9th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, Jim Harbaugh, do you believe he had no knowledge of the apparent sign stealing? Michigan Penn State, who wins Saturday at Happy Valley? The Cardinals, will they win Sunday if Kyler Murray and James Conner both play? The Suns, what has stood out during the 4-4 four and four start? Bears-Panthers, will you be watching tonight? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15 or so, a Michigan-Penn State uh, preview. And we'll talk about some of the sign-stealing stuff because I think I'm contractually obligated to ask about it. But mainly about the game, Aaron, Mc, uh, Mary, Aaron McCann excuse me, Aaron McCann will join us from MLive.com. The 10.30, it'll be interactive action, 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. 
including a uh, some Suns Bulls analysis from Wednesday night, the overtime victory by the Suns. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That'll be topped by the Panthers and Bears' latest line, and also more so ripped from the headlines and from the wire, a conglomeration of those things. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to 1 o'clock, it is the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include more phone call time at 602-260-1060. But right now, onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, do you believe that Jim Harbaugh had no knowledge of the apparent Michigan sign stealing? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Right now, Noah's at 100% on KDUS1060.com. Whoa. Okay. Uh, apparently no members of the Harbaugh family are voting here. All right. Uh, this has obviously been a story. Uh, it seems like seemingly has a new twist every few minutes. Uh, but to this point, it certainly has not slowed down the Wolverines on the field. Speaking of which, today's Twitter poll question, who wins Saturday in Happy Valley, Michigan or Penn State? And Corey, what do we have here? This one's a lot closer here. Penn State leading 60% of the vote. Michigan at 40% on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. I'm thinking that there's some Michigan haters out there. So, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into this in the next uh, few hours here for sure. By the way, Michigan opened a five-point favorite, a number that's moved to four and a half in the majority of worldwide sports books. Meanwhile, on the local front, uh, the Cardinals uh, might have Kyler Murray and James Conner on Sunday against the Falcons. My guess is we're not going to have a real good idea until the Cardinals' active roster is announced 90 minutes before kickoff. Will the Cardinals win on Sunday if Kyler Murray and James Conner play? Bradley Beal made his son's debut on Wednesday. He totaled 13 points in 23 minutes. The Suns won 116-115 in overtime against the Bulls, so the Suns finished 2-1 and on the road trip. What stood out? Uh, what has stood out during the Suns' 4-4 four four start to the season? Meanwhile, Spain, the globe, NFL week number 10 begins tonight with the Bears and Panthers showdown in Chicago. Instead of asking you who wins, I'm asking, will you be watching Bears and Panthers tonight? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, except for maybe that last one, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by Michigan, uh, some Michigan football discussion, some sign stealing, but mostly a preview of Saturday's game at Penn State. Aaron McCann scheduled to join us from MLive.com. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time. 
general discussion, 602-260-1060. And we'll also get to a little local roundup topped by Suns and Bowls analysis from Wednesday night. As I mentioned, the Suns win by one point in overtime. Last night in Chicago, not exactly the best played basketball game I've ever seen, but it's the regular season and it's November. <laughs> so not expecting a high level of play personally. So we'll, uh, hopefully that'll get better during the regular season and then we get to the playoffs and then I start to care. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Well, this game we're going to talk about next is on Saturday at noon, uh, at least in the Eastern time zone. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. All right. Uh, the University of Michigan playing its first game this season against a ranked opponent on Saturday against Penn State. And then there's all the off-the-field stuff. Uh, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined to Sports Zone by Aaron McCann, of mlive.com and Aaron I promise I really honestly promise uh, that we would ask for your uh, assistance today had all the off the steel uh, off the field stuff not been going on because uh, I want to talk about this game more than anything else but uh, the sign stealing stuff let's start with that this story seems to change about every 10 minutes so let me just ask you what's the latest that you have uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good good way to sum it up. Uh, at, at this point, Michigan is waiting to hear back from the, the Big Ten Conference. Uh, they submitted their uh, uh, reply to the Big Ten last night, um, and they're just, it's kind of in a waiting period at this point. All signs point to Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti wanting to hand down some type of punishment uh, to the Michigan football program and Jim Harbaugh. What that, what that is, we don't know just yet. Um, he could file... You know, he could lay up there with two-game suspension of Harbaugh. He could go bigger if he gets the support from uh, uh, the, the league's commission or league's presidents and ADs. Uh, so Michigan's just kind of waiting. Uh, we're waiting to see if Jim Harbaugh is going to be on the sidelines Saturday. Um, I've been told that if the Big Ten does hand down a suspension, uh, the school is prepared to take this to court and file some type of uh, either restraining order or an injunction to get Harbaugh back on the field immediately. Okay, this might be an impossible question for you to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think that Harbaugh had any knowledge, any knowledge of what was allegedly happening? Yeah, so he has said he does not. You know, he, he claimed that in a statement a few weeks ago he issued, he said he had no knowledge or involvement in it. Um, whether you believe that or not, I, I guess it, it's a good question, right? Because you're you're looked at as the CEO, the president of the, of the, of the, of the you know, the organization. Uh, you should be theoretically know everything that's going on. But in reality, as we all know, when you've got you know, large, a large number of people working for you, you've got a roster of over a hundred people. That's probably hard to do. Um, you know, the, the person at the center of this was, a, was considered a low level staffer. Um, you know, he wasn't an odd field coach. He was someone kind of working behind the scenes, so to speak, figuratively. And I guess literally as we've, come to know <laughs> yeah. um so it, 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 it it's it's plausible i think to think that jim harbaugh did not know but when you've got video of games of where the staffer is literally 
talking into the ear of the coordinators, telling them what play was coming, and, and in some cases, Jim, you know, acknowledging the staffer. It's hard to believe, it, not knowing what he knew, but not asking where he got the information. All right, so let, let's you know, move on from that story. You know, as you mentioned, by the time we get done with this interview in like ten minutes, there'll probably be something new out there. So we'll just uh, we'll move on. But I, I obviously we had to cover it to some some to some extent here. I would say that uh, this story has had close to zero effect uh, on the you know regarding the on-field performance. But I'm not 100% sure because they have not exactly played the most challenging schedule so far, right? <laughs> no, you, you, you're absolutely correct. Michigan's schedule has been as soft as they come. I mean, another, you know, another weak non-conference schedule, they had no issue beating teams. Uh, and then even the six Big Ten opponents they've played to this point, uh, none of them have been ranked. Uh, the best team, I think, statistically is either Rutgers or Minnesota. So just the, the quality of opponent hasn't been great. Uh, now that's not to say that's not to disparage Michigan's performance on the field because they've handled business. I mean, not only have they blown these teams out, they're beating them by four, you know thirty and forty points. So the the margins haven't been close. They really haven't had their backs against the wall yet. Uh, so what, from what they've you know gone up against, they've, they've certainly handled handled their business. Aaron McMahon of uh, MLive.com currently in the sports zone. So let's talk about the offense. Uh, from my point of view. Uh, this offense has a different look this season. Less effective on the ground, more effective with J.J. McCarthy throwing the ball. Is that an accurate assessment on my part? Yeah, 100% accurate. You know, and it's maybe a little bit different than what many of us expected coming in just because the last two years, Michigan's offensive identity has largely been running the football. The ground and pound style of play, their offensive line was named the best offensive line in the country the last two years. So, um, they, they've gone away from it a little bit. I, I think part of it was by natural design. I mean, you had J.J. McCarthy coming back. You've got experience at, at the receiver's position. And you also have to take into account opponents are probably planning for it or preparing for it. And they, they talked about yeah. that. You know, teams have been putting a lot of guys in about eight, nine guys to defend the run. It's kind of opened things up for the passing game. Uh, so naturally, Michigan's gone that way. And they've had, you know, a, a large amount of success doing it. Um, but at the same token, too, Michigan's running backs have been a little banged up. You, you're not seeing the same explosiveness from, a, from Donovan Edwards. Blake Corwin, they've largely used along the goal line. And then the offensive line, as I mentioned, they, they, they've had, they brought three new guys in from the transfer portal in the offseason. I think it took them some time to gel. They've been very good at pass protection, but when it comes to the run game, it, it's been a little bit shaky, a little shaky. I'll get back to McCarthy in a second. You mentioned Edwards. You know what's up with that? Is he is he okay? And he doesn't look like the same dude. No, you, you're right. I mean, I, I said it early in the Big Ten season when when they were trying to get him some carries. He didn't look like he had the same explosiveness as we saw last yeah. year. Uh, come to find out, you know, we, we talked to the running backs coach actually this week, and he he made it sound like Donovan was banged up early in the year, still dealing with kind of a. Uh, fallout from some of the injuries he had last year in the offseason. So um, they seem to think he's fine. They, 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 they say he's ready to go. They, they claim he's been a couple of couple of you know plays away from breaking those big runs. But you've also taken into account last year, he had some big runs late in the year. Um, but up to that point, he hadn't, he hadn't done a ton either. So they, they tried to find new ways to get him involved. They, they've turned him kind of into a slot receiver this year, and they've had some success doing it. So they're trying to get him, mm-hmm. you know, find ways to get him the football without necessarily giving him the rock on the ground. Okay, on to McCarthy. Uh, what has most impressed you about his improvement over the last couple of years? 
Uh, probably the, the poise and maturity. I mean, we always knew he had the arm and the playmaking ability. I mean, you saw that in high school when Michigan was recruiting him. I mean, there was a reason he was a five-star recruit. Um, I, I think he's really grown up and, and, and cut down maybe some of the poor decision-making uh, he had the first couple of years at Michigan. Uh, and, and he's acknowledged, acknowledged as much. I think he's a smarter player, just more mature. Um, and even, even, but even then, he's had some, you know, some issue, hiccups this year too. You know, he threw three interceptions in one game against Bowling Green, and he admittedly said he was trying. At that point, he was still trying to push for more touchdown uh, uh, passes than, than incompletions. Now he's not going to get there at this point. But you know, right now he's I think second in the country in quarterback rating, third in completion percentage. Um, he's probably got an outside chance at the Heisman Trophy at this point, but. You know, given Michigan's offense and how they still do like throwing the football, you know, despite what we were just talking about, he just doesn't have the volume that some of these other quarterbacks around the country have. And it's also a byproduct, too, of the way Michigan's won their games, right? Like, there have been J.G. McCarthy and some of these, these starters on the offensive side of the ball just haven't played a ton in the fourth quarter because Michigan's had, you know, such, such big leads. If they win this Saturday and they beat Ohio State in two weeks, I mean, I think the Heisman hype is going to skyrocket, right? I would think so. You know, and, and again, remember, two voters are always look, looking for those quote-unquote Heisman moments. You know, you want that player to have a big game and a big moment. So these are certainly going to be opportunities for McCarthy to do that, uh, especially in the Ohio State game. Uh, so he's had a chance. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think the odd, latest odds, I think, had him second or third. So, He's going to have a chance. Obviously, Michigan's got to keep winning. They can't, they can't uh, slip up and lose a game either. All right, so Penn State. Their defense is you know, highly ranked in almost all the categories, but you know, truth be told, it's not like they face the most difficult offenses on the planet until Saturday. Uh, so when you're watching this game on Saturday, what will you be focusing on when it's the Michigan offense against the Penn State defense? Yeah, I think for Michigan to be successful offensively, they're going to have to obviously establish the run game. They're going to have to try and get something going on the ground. I don't think they can lean primarily on on the passing attack. Uh, Penn State secondary is very good. They're very good at, at keeping defenses uh, uh, or keeping offenses honest, uh, not giving up those big explosive plays that Michigan's been able to get all season long. So I think it's establishing the run game up for up first and then just not making not making mistakes you don't want McCarthy in a situation like that TCU game in the playoff uh, back in December where he threw a couple of pick sixes and just it seemed like he was making mistake after mistake so avoid the mistakes and establish a ground game early and then I think Michigan ideally wants to score again on the scoreboard you know early first or early on uh, because they, they, you know, we talked about the week schedule all season long they haven't really had their backs against the wall they haven't really been tested they haven't really been in that moment where they they needed a score or needed a good drive. So I, I think if they can avoid that, especially being on the road in Happy Valley, it, it would be key. Okay, so let's flip this. Uh, the Michigan defense has insane numbers. I don't really care what the competition has been when you have numbers like that. I mean, there's got to be something really positive and you know, everything's going well there. What has impressed you most about this defense? Uh, probably the turnovers. You know, it was something that the Michigan coaching staff really harped on last year that they didn't get enough of. Uh, you know, they get tip balls and they force deflection and whatnot. But this year, they're really coming down with interceptions and 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 creating disruptive plays. And I think that's been a difference maker for this this defense. Number one in the country in yards allowed. Number one in the country in points allowed. Again, they haven't played a great uh, great schedule, but they've really come up in, in in some big moments. They've had you know multiple pick sixes. Um, it's really a defense that doesn't have a superstar on it. 
there really is no Aiden Hutchinson, no guy that's probably going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. But they got a lot of – collectively, they got a lot of good guys that kind of play within the system and, and, and play well within it. They're experienced. Um, you know, I'm really looking – to see how much disruption they can get on Drew Aller, the Penn State quarterback, on Saturday. Uh, he's had his moments this year. He's been hot and cold at times. But I, I think for, for Michigan to get pressure on him and get, force him to get rid of the football early, I think it's going to help try to you know, set up some of those mistakes and set up those, some of those turnovers. Um, and then to go along with that in the secondary, Will Johnson's really come on. Uh, he's only a sophomore. He was incredible as a freshman last year. He had, I think, interceptions down the last two games. I'm looking for him to try and uh, get a third here uh, on Saturday. If you were an offensive coordinator with some offensive weapons, and I think that you know Penn State falls into this category, they have some offensive weapons. If you're if you were an offensive coordinator, how would you try to attack the Michigan defense? Well, I, I think they're more susceptible in the quick game. If you've got a if you've got receivers who can get over the middle of the field and get open, and, and a quarterback can deliver the football quickly, I think that's the way you're going to beat the Michigan defense. If you give the edge rushers time to get the quarterback and, and force you to make a quick throw as I was talking about. I think that's when you're really in trouble. So I, I think if you're Drew Aller, you got, get, you got to get rid of the football quickly. Um, you've got to develop some type of rapport with your receivers and, and hit, hit the open guys. Um, yeah, in Michigan one-on-one and, you know, down the field, I think can be difficult to, 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 to go up against, match up against. Uh, so they they got to find some quick strikes. I think they've got to maybe get an explosive play or two, break a big run, break a big run. I think would open things up because, as I said, you know Michigan's defense, uh, just like the offense, hasn't been tested. They haven't really they haven't given up more than 13 points a game all season long. Um, they they haven't. And Jim Harbaugh talked about it this week. They haven't. An opponent has not uh, you know snapped the football inside Michigan's 10 yard line all season long. So those long sustaining drives. There, there just haven't been a ton of them. So if you can get some of those going, keep the Michigan defense on the field for, for, for a long time and try to wear them out, uh, that would probably be the best avenue to, uh, to succeed. Okay, considering all that, you know, you know, I guess I don't have the exact quote here in my mind, but you know, Mike Tyson used to, said, it, you know, used to say it doesn't really matter until you get punched in the face. Let's say they get punched in the face. How do you think they might react at that point? It's a good question because, like I said, they haven't really done that yet. You know, it, last year it took them about this time before they got the punch in the face. I can remember in the road game at Illinois where they were trailing going into the fourth quarter and ended up winning the game mm-hmm. by, uh, you know, they had to pull one out and get a field goal late. So I'm really curious to see how they respond because they haven't done it yet. Um, but I, I will say this. This team is very experienced. A lot of these guys on this team were playing last year and starting and everything else. So, it's not. It's not like they haven't been in that situation before. It's just been a very long time. But you know, as we've seen it in big stages and big moments, at times this Michigan football team, you know, has has disappointed. You know, you go back to the TCU game in the semifinal playoff semifinal that they were expected to win that that they really struggled. Um, you know, so it's it's not like it can happen. Um, but I, I got to think if they are punched them out, they'll handle themselves. Well, I think the, at, at the same time, too, the earlier the better, right? If Penn State come out and score early, yeah. maybe put up a lead, it, it would certainly give Michigan time to respond. But the longer this game goes in, in you know, on a one-possession one game uh, or a close contest, the more I think if you're a Michigan fan, you maybe you worry a little bit more. Okay, one other thing about this game on Saturday. Penn State special teams, they've really delivered some big plays much of the season, including the game at Ohio State. Uh, when they didn't do much else, quite frankly. So how how do you think Michigan's special teams match up on Saturday against Penn State? 
Yeah, so Michigan special teams aren't nearly as good as they were last year. I mean, they had Jake Moody end up going in, the, I think, the third round, the 49ers, and an experienced punter. Mm-hmm. They don't have either one of those guys this year. I mean, they've got guys that they like, but they're just the talent, just in the, you know, the, the, the legs aren't, just, aren't there yet. So Michigan's offense has really been predicated on scoring touchdowns all season long. So if, if Penn State can, can limit them to field goals, it's certainly going to help. And at the same token, too, the, the, the return games haven't been great either. Michigan had a muff punt uh, last Saturday against Purdue that resulted in, in a field goal for the Boilermakers. Luckily, it wasn't, or at least for Michigan, luckily it wasn't more. Um, but they haven't been the greatest in special teams. So I do think that's going to be an advantage for Penn State. Uh, if you can, you know, if you can hold Michigan to a field goal or, or you know, get a block uh, field goal or get a muff punt or something to that matter, you know, I, I I think it's going to make a difference. I think this game ends up going down to the wire. I think maybe potentially the final team that has the ball at the end potentially wins this game, but I I don't see a runaway game for either one of these teams. Okay, so my last question, you might have already stolen my my question, the answer with my question here, but uh, Michigan's a consensus four-and-a-half-point favorite. Does Michigan remain undefeated, and if so, do you think they cover the four-and-a-half? I, I think the number's right, right, you know, right around what I, where I would put it. Um, you know, I do think Michigan wins. I think they eke it out at the end. Um, but as I said, I, I don't see this game being a runaway. I, I, I see this game. It's probably a low-scoring, closely contested game, one score either way. Um, I see a very similar result in the 2021 game at Penn State where Michigan won. I think it was 21-17, and they got a touchdown midway through the fourth quarter to win it. So. It's going to come down to who makes a few mistakes, who's penalized, least who comes up with one or two more uh, explosive plays, and I think that's that's going to determine the winner on Saturday. Okay, one final final question: Is Michigan glad this is not one of those whiteout night games at Penn State? Even though you know, Penn State has not exactly you know dominated those whiteout games, by the way, over the years. Yeah, it's a good question, right? Because I, I can remember going to Penn State. I think in 2017 was a night game for them against Michigan, and on the very first play, Michigan, they got, took a delay game penalty because they couldn't hear themselves in the, in the crowd or in the, in the huddle. So mm. it certainly seems like it's louder there at night. Um, so I, I think that plays in a, a factor, but I, at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. I mean, it, it is, it's a road game. Uh, it's, quote, unquote, a hostile environment. I, I, thought I would put Penn State right up there with some of the, some of the best Big Ten uh, you know, game environments in, in the conference. So it's, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. I think there's still plenty to play for. If you're a Penn State fan, uh, you know they could still beat Michigan and still try and push for a big ten, or for a spot in the Big Ten championship and potential playoffs. So uh, it's not like neither team has anything to play for. Both teams are you know eager to win this game. I got to think uh, you know Penn State's going to be motivated given the off the field stuff and some of the accusations against Michigan. And the same on the flip side, I got to think the Michigan players are certainly motivated to prove that you know they are better than what some folks maybe are uh, are claiming they are. Okay, my third final question. This is somewhat sarcastic, but if you combined all the players from the Big Ten West and just combine them, would they beat Michigan or Ohio State? <laughs> uh, good question. You know, I got to think if you if you combine the Iowa defense and maybe, gosh, I don't know the the Iowa defense, the Illinois defense with maybe the. I don't know, Wisconsin offense, maybe they'd give Michigan a game. Um, I don't think they'd win, but I think it'd be closer than maybe the the last two uh, Big Ten title games have, have ended up. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm assuming that's going to be a third consecutive, unwatchable Big Ten title game. Uh, Garen, good stuff. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, if they make the playoff, I'm sure we'll be catching up with you again. Thanks. You bet. 
Thanks, Bob. All right, Aaron McCann, MLive.com. Excellent stuff, as always. And I think we covered the sufficient uh, off-the-field stuff. And like I said, the story changes like every 10 minutes. So who knows what's happened since we started this segment. Next segment is phone call time if you want to jump aboard. Plenty of time, 602-260-1060. Also, the local roundup that will include at least some sons from last night. The overtime victory at uh, Chicago against the Bulls. Pretty sloppy game by both teams. Not much defense, but we kind of expected that because neither of these teams, I don't think, are ever going to be known this year for their defense, whether it's November or assuming that these teams both make the playoffs in April and beyond. Don't think defense is going to be the calling card for these two teams, so not terribly surprising. that uh, Actually, the score should have been higher than 116 to 115. I thought there were a whole lot of open missed shots last night by both teams. But we'll get into that a little bit. If you want to get in, though, no problem. Phone call time, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. All right, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time, and we've got some room for you right now, 602-260-1060, if you'd like to jump aboard, if you're just tuning in. Pipeline questions quickly, uh, the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Do you believe that Jim Harbaugh had no knowledge of the apparent Michigan sign-stealing. Meanwhile, along those uh, Michigan lines, Twitter poll question, who wins Saturday in Happy Valley, Michigan or Penn State? Will it be Happy Valley? Oh, Happy Valley for Penn State. It might be a Happy Valley for Michigan. Also on the local front, will the Cardinals win on Sunday if Kyler Murray and James Conner both play? And uh, what stood out to you is uh, so far during the Cardinals for during the excuse me the Suns four and four start to the season the Suns four and four start and Spain the globe instead of asking for a winner in this game because you might have to watch it if you pick a winner uh, are you actually going to watch the Bears and the Panthers game tonight once again 602-260-1060 if you'd like to contribute general discussion those are just a few helpful hints possibly for. Uh, you want to answer any of those questions. All right, today's uh, you know, local roundup, we start with the Suns. They won by one point in overtime over the uh, the Bulls and Bradley Beal's first game. The Suns were actually favored by one point in the final consensus point spread because uh, uh, you know that, num- that number moved to the Suns in one-point favor when it was announced that Beal would make his debut of the season and his debut with the Suns. Uh, but Devin Booker, once again, uh, missed his third straight game, all three games in the road trip with a cap injury. Uh, Beal uh, did not play during the five-minute overtime because he passed his you know, allotment for minutes in his first game, which made sense. Uh, but the Suns still won 116-115. Uh, he did play 23 overall minutes, finished with 13 points. Not a good shooting night, 3 out of 12 from the field. Did have four assists and four rebounds. Kevin Durant continues to play far too many minutes. He play, He's now played 36 minutes or more in all but one of the Suns' games so far this season, one of the eight games. They've won four of those. Last night he played 42 minutes, including all five in the overtime period. 25 points, 7 out of 16 from the field. It was 9 out of 9 from the free throw line. 
Also, Durant added seven rebounds and nine assists. Grayson Allen and uh, Yusuf Nurkic uh, were really the uh, the other non. They were the other. Excuse me, the, the the big contributors on offense. Allen twenty six points, including a career high eight three pointers on thirteen attempts. Allen also had eight rebounds and four assists. Now Nurkic had a trip, almost had a triple double: twenty points, seventeen rebounds, and eight assists. Before last night, Nurkic had not scored more than fourteen points or had more than 12 rebounds in any of the first seven games. The Suns, uh, they would not have won last night without the defense of Kata B- uh, Bates-Diop, uh, who also added seven points, five rebounds, and three assists. Truth be told, the defense stands out because most of his teammates do not stand out at the defensive end. Up next, the Lakers and the Suns play Friday night in uh, downtown Phoenix. Uh, this is one of the uh, absurd in-season tournament games that the NBA is playing. Another NBA ploy to try to get anybody to watch a regular season game. So good luck to you all. I'll watch it because it's Friday night and it's, that doesn't conflict with any other game that I'd be more interested in, quite frankly. Which would be almost any game. Actually, I'll be watching Duke and Arizona Juve and, and also the Suns and the uh, Lakers on Friday night. All right, on to the phone lines. Monroe, what's going on? Monroe and Glendale, how are you doing? I'm good, Bob. How about you? I'm hanging in there. Uh, I got a couple of thoughts here. Um, I'm going to watch the Bears because I like to see how bad teams are for myself. <laughs> I never you seen, watch too bad. I never you watch too bad teams. At all. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I just want to see it. You know, uh, I will admit that since today is Thursday, Chicago PD on Ion might be on my big TV. There you go. The Bears, I'll have the Bears on on the small TV. So uh, I wish I, I miss uh, Chicago uh, PD on you know NBC with the writers and actors strike and everywhere else is striking. This is driving me crazy that that's not on Wednesday nights right now. But uh, yeah, you brought it yeah. up, so I had I'm, I had to you. respond. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, although I can't watch anything before the demise of Al, it's just too much for me to take. So okay, I watch the episodes after that. Uh, anyway, okay. uh, t- tell me tell me how crazy you think I am. Uh, something you said yesterday provoked a thought in my mind. Uh, I think you said, I'm not quoting you, but I think you said something along the lines of uh, those who think free games mean Brock Purdy is bad or out of their mind. Um, yeah. And, and then you said that he may not be, if, you, if you've not thought he was good all along, that's different. But to go by three games is just ludicrous or something along those lines. Yes, I think that's pretty accurate. Yep, yep. If you swapped Brock Purdy and Kenny Pickett, do you think the team schedule, Uh, the team's record would be different? Yeah, I do. um, Because I don't think Kenny Pickett's an accurate passer. Um, Even Purdy in his worst year at uh, Iowa State was still accurate. He just didn't have the teammates around him that he had previously. And that's why he went from at least a, you know, most likely a second-day draft pick uh, to the last pick in the draft because he didn't have a final good year at Iowa State. Uh, but he was still accurate for the most part. And he's an accurate passer. 
I just don't, you know, he's a smart dude. And there's no doubt about that part. And I, I have no idea if Pickett's a smart dude or not, because I don't know if we have any idea if, you know, I'm sure you have you know, probably better opinion than this than I, but I don't know if we have any idea of what the Steelers are actually trying to do on offense sometimes, or whether it's he just unable, uh, excuse me, unable to actually execute what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, and I think that sort of makes my point is that Brock Purdy is in a much better situation than Kenny Pickett. No and doubt. The Steelers' problems are not just quarterback, right? they got all kind of issues. Yeah, uh, I would start so, with the offensive line, but uh, you know the fact that you know Purdy's been without you know Trent Williams, who I think is the best left tackle in the NFL. He's been out for all three of these games, so all these people that were you know some of the same people I see on TV that were you know you know, you know claiming that Purdy's just you know you know really good, now they're same same some of the same people are tearing him down because they've lost three straight games without a full deck on offense. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, those those are the provocateurs. They they have no value other than to provoke people. Um, that, now, that would be true. Here, here's another thought. I spent the weekend fighting with my Dallas Cowboys family members over block, over Dak Prescott. Uh-huh. Blame him for the loss. And oh, I give me a break. came to the point of saying, how about we just swap quarterbacks? You take him, <laughs> and I'll take back Brett Uh You need to I, tell I you need understand. to tell your you need to tell your Cowboys friends that the Dak was the reason they had a chance to win the game. The, the only reason, and I think, I think that they missed. Uh, if they ever missed Ezekiel Elliott, they missed him. Yeah, down on that. No, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They do every game. Short yardage, goal line, and pass protection. And pass catching, for that matter. But Pollard can do that. But really, I don't oh, think yeah. Pollard can do much of anything else, quite frankly. It, yeah, he's really good if you get him in the ball, get him the ball in space. Uh, but he can't run between the tackles, nor has he ever been really required to in his college or NFL career. But yeah, they, I think they definitely miss Elliott. And uh, you know, his skill set has definitely declined. But the fact that he's still a good goal line and short yardage guy, and he's one of the best pass protectors of any running back, and I'm not exaggerating here, ever in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think running backs know how to pass protect. I blame all that on the spread offense, but I might just be off base on that. No, that that's uh, true. Even though he was a really good pass protector for summary, he he must have had a tremendous high school coach. Because when he got to Ohio State, actually, he saw more time in the field early in his career at Ohio State as a pass blocker than he did as a running back for a couple of reasons. One, they had some pretty good running backs at that time when he was a freshman. But the other thing is he was so good at pass protecting that they had to put him out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lastly, I, I, I'm not, I, I didn't get a chance to look, but I have this gut feeling that the majority of teams that Kansas City has played don't have winning records. Uh, and yeah, I'm so not I'm sure about that. I haven't looked at. Um, yeah, I'm not positive how that. Well, Detroit, they you know they they lost to them, <laughs> so, but they didn't also had they also didn't have obviously Kelsey or Jones in that game. So uh, let me do some research on that one and call me back on that. 
Yeah, I think Cincinnati is the best team in the AFC is kind of the point that I'm getting at. So I do, uh, I do I right I now. I mean, if yeah, if I were doing power rankings and making point, if I was doing, if I were an odds maker right now, I would actually have Cincinnati as my top ranked team in the AFC. However, if Jamar Chase doesn't play this week, which seems to be um, maybe likely, then that would change. Sure. Sure, and I picked him to go to the Super Bowl, so that might be coloring my thinking. All right, Bob. Okay. Time. Okay, that sounds right. I think I might. Have, I I don't remember who I picked for the Super Bowl in the AFC. I'm going to say maybe Cincinnati. I uh, know it wasn't. Uh, no, it wasn't Miami. And uh, maybe I just you know took the chalk and took Kansas City. I know I have San Francisco to win the Super Bowl. I should remember who I picked to represent the AFC, though, right, Bob? As I expect, talk to myself. I'm good at that. I'm excellent at talking to myself. Okay, next segment, I'll talk to you and myself. Uh, segment will be the National Roundup, which has been the final segment of the Sports Zone for a very long time. And uh, yeah, until somebody uh, tells me otherwise, <laughs> that'll probably continue. So that's coming up next. We'll have a little on the have an updated point spread for tonight's showdown in Chicago between the Panthers and the Bears. And also a few other notes from the wire rip from the headlines, depending on how much time I have, which I now have less time because I rambled on at the end of this segment right here. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7. Thursday night football in Chicago. Hopefully uh, Al Michaels and the crew can get some deep dish pizza at least. If they have to watch a bad game, you can at least get some good pizza. Uh, and uh, the uh, consensus line, the Bears up to three and a half point favorites in this game. Total 38 and a half. Justin Fields not medically cleared to play tonight from the thumb injury. So it's Tyson Bajan again. But the other side, it's Bryce Young, and they've both been really bad. One guy was the first pick of the draft, and one guy wasn't drafted. So we'll see how this goes tonight. Also, a couple other quick NFL notes. Patriots cornerback J.C. Jackson has been, uh, first up, he got demoted before the uh, Sunday loss against the Commanders, got demoted from the starting lineup because apparently he was late to the hotel on a Saturday. Now he hasn't even bothered, uh, well, they, they haven't, they told him to stay home. They didn't even take him to Frankfurt, Germany. I'm not sure if they're already there or not. They're not taking him if they've already, you get the gist. Uh, but, uh, you know, various reports is that he's not part of the team, at least for this week. They remember, they just traded to require, reacquire him, and he's had off-the-field issues. He's kind of a mess and hasn't been a very good player, quite frankly, this year when he's on the field with the Chargers or the Patriots. Meanwhile, college football, former ASU quarterback Jaden Daniels, who was in concussion protocol, did actually practice yesterday. Uh, He took that shot from Dallas Turner of Alabama in last week's 42-28 loss to to the uh, Tide in Tuscaloosa, but he did return to practice in a limited role. And signs are that he's going to play this week for LSU. Meanwhile, Georgia All-American tight end Brock Bowers is running again in practice, and Coach Kirby Smart would not rule him out, him being obviously Bowers, uh, from playing in the uh, 
number two uh, Bulldog showdown against number nine uh, Old Miss on Saturday. Uh, we'll preview that game and much more around the college and NFL world tomorrow in the uh, Extra Point and uh, hosted by Kayla, which, of course, is coming up in the next two hours also in the non-Friday preview edition. Uh, also, uh, a couple other quick notes from the NBA. Udonis Haslam staying with the Heat. Uh, remember, he played 20 seasons with them. He was actually hired as the new vice president of basketball development. And also Kansas coach Bill Self has signed a five-year contract, which in essence is a lifetime contract. Uh, $13 million uh, in compensation over the next five years for Mr. Self. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Next two hours, it is the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, so stay tuned for that. We'll have more phone call time in addition, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned and have a great rest of your day while you're staying tuned right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD2 100.7.